0: is the VIP Late Lunch with Lee Sterry on The Voice of Niagara, News Talk 610 CKTV. Good afternoon. Uh, welcome into once again a Thursday here in the VIP late lunch, 7th of December, and uh, the uh, the bells are ringing, people are getting their decorations up, but we're still talking legal matters here with Chris Richard of Graves and Richard Niagara's largest personal injury law firm. Chris,
1: welcome back to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having
0: me. got your uh, got your uh, Christmassy things up? Christmassy bits up yet? Yeah? <laughs> Not yet. No? No? <laughs> okay. Uh we won't dwell on that, just in case your wife is listening. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're we're talking about something that uh, happens from time to time, and sometimes ends well, and sometimes ends
1: badly. High speed chases involving police. That's right. It's uh, it's an interesting topic, and, and uh, in law, it is fairly fairly complicated and and complicated in the sense that it's not not a black and white issue but uh, what we're talking about specifically is during the course of a high-speed chase if a member of the public is injured Mm -hmm. uh, how do we analyze the decisions that the police force made in initiating and continuing that chase okay and uh I, like I say, I don't pretend that this is a, is a cut-and-dry issue. Every case is somewhat independent on its facts. And when we have this conversation, we have to always keep in the forefront of our mind that the primary responsibility, without a doubt, uh, in cases where somebody gets injured as a result of a high-speed chase, is a is a result of the person who is running away from the police right right right. and every single case out there that i have ever seen recognizes that okay okay so uh this is not about it's not
0: like bashing the police it's about bashing the people that caused the police to be involved in the first place
1: well and it's not about shifting responsibility and saying hey this is you know this wasn't the the person uh, who's running away from the police's fault. this is actually the police's fault. That's not the analysis. Mm-hmm. It's really about we we all understand we all accept that primary fault is with the person who's trying to avoid uh, arrest, but even accepting that, what were the actions of the police force and are they capable of criticism right okay, gotcha so um that's about as
0: clear as you can be. <laughs> Well, because <laughs> we don't want you to get a ticket on the way home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's not only that, but I mean, sometimes people get offended. They say, well, how can, you know, the police are doing their job? They're, uh, uh, it's really the criminal's fault. And, and I think the law agrees with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also hold our law enforcement to a fairly high standard to, into the way the law is enforced. And this is one of those examples. Okay. So uh, whenever we. Uh, look at this. The first thing we do is say, is there any any statute law that applies that we have to look at? And in this case, there is. Uh, there's a, a regulation under the Police Services Act that is called Suspect Apprehension Pursuits. So it actually sets out kind of what the legal standard is for police mm-hmm. in terms of initiating or continuing a pursuit. Uh, so it says an officer may pursue or continue to pursue a fleeing motor vehicle that fails to stop. If the police officer has reason to believe that a criminal offense has been committed or is about to be committed, so a criminal offense, right? We're not Mm -hmm. talking regulatory offense. We're talking criminal offenses. Or for the purposes of motor vehicle identification or the identification of an individual in the vehicle. So those are the two reasons you can initiate a chase. Before a police officer initiates a pursuit, the officer must determine whether in order to protect public safety... The immediate need to apprehend an individual in the fleeing motor vehicle outweighs the risk to public safety that may result from the pursuit. So, so that's an on-the-spot judgment call by the officer. That's right, but you know before the lights are on and the uh, and the pursuit begins, uh, he has to say, "Do I need to Does apprehending this person? Does that outweigh the fact that he may injure somebody mm-hmm. in the course of me apprehending him?" and it may. <laughs> I struggle with it because it seems like you know. Are we saying that we should let, for lack of a better word, bad guys off just because somebody might get hurt? And that's kind of what the law says in mm-hmm. a way that we have other ways of apprehending people. Yeah, we'll and, worry about it later. Yeah, yeah, and, and, we'll get them later. You know, if you know, to to use the uh, the worst scenario, if someone is fleeing as a as a murderer and kills five more people because of the chase. Yeah, Are we better off as a society? Yeah, and that's uh, and that's an extreme example, but that's no. But still, it could it, in an extreme case it could come to that. But yeah, sure. understood. Um, and the last thing statutorily that puts in place is during the pursuit, the police officer must continually reassess the determination that he made at the beginning of the pursuit. So it's not enough to say I made this decision at the beginning and I'm going to see this pursuit through to the end. He has to continually reassess to say. This pursuit's getting pretty dangerous. Is this still worth it? Right. So uh, there's a number of cases that that consider this, and and I've actually in my career been involved in in some of these cases myself. So uh, one of the cases that really deals with the the duty on the police officer and what the police officer should do um, was a case, Blas versus Dickinson, uh, which is an Ontario case from... uh, uh, nineteen ninety six but they they really take a a good run at, at looking at the duties okay so in that case uh, it was a s- stolen vehicle uh, police are called uh, there's a r- the police spot the stolen vehicle they follow it for several minutes uh, before attempting unsuccessfully to stop it and then a pursuit uh, begins and the pursuit lasts about seven minutes. Uh, stolen vehicle went through a red light which is often the danger in mm-hmm. these situations and struck another vehicle injuring the passenger of the other vehicle uh, and uh, he later fled the scene and, and was arrested. So the people that were injured started an action. Of course they sued the criminal right? Uh, and uh, but they also sued the police chief and the police services. Uh, in this case the court actually dismissed the case against the uh, police officers and uh, the police service and they found that they did act appropriately Mm -hmm. but they said here's how they would analyze it so the police force is liable for injuries and damages caused by the negligence of police officer in the operation of his or her vehicle during a pursuit so you don't get an exemption from the rules of the road just because you're in a pursuit so that's kind of an interesting Mm -hmm. uh, point in law Uh, They have a statutory duty to apprehend criminals and to protect lives and property, Um, but that statutory duty doesn't exempt them from the general duty we all have to exercise care for others. Um, So in driving uh, in a vehicle, the police officer, the standard is, must act as a reasonably prudent police officer considering all of the circumstances. So it's he's held, you know, not necessarily the standard of you and I, but what would a reasonable police officer in similar circumstances do?
0: It's gravesandrichard if you want to visit their website, Niagara's largest personal injury law firm. We're talking about high speed chases, the liabilities uh, involved there, and it can get kind of complicated, Chris. We're going to wrap up this one case that you were talking about.
1: Yes, yeah, so this is Blas versus Dickinson, the Ontario case from nineteen ninety six, and a couple other interesting things the court said was. Uh, that the duty of the police officer to act reasonably in protecting the public from unreasonable risk of injury or damages includes a duty to take reasonable steps, steps to protect against the misconduct of the criminal himself or herself. Which is kind of interesting because it says uh, that the police officer has to predict what the criminal might do, right? So, yeah. uh, so you can't kind of throw up your hands and say, how could I have known that he was going to uh, go through that red light? Uh, You have to predict uh, what a criminal might do in a high-speed chase, Mm -hmm. and uh, your duty is to protect the public from that, which might include not engaging in the chase. Yeah,
0: which I suppose is that individual decision that a police officer might make based on how many... Uh, years he's had, or he or she has had doing this.
1: I mean, you sort of you go by your own experience, usually, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I'm kind of... I, I don't know the answer to this question, but I'm i am curious. Uh, I mean, in a typical police officer's career, how many high-speed chases would they be a part of? Because uh, we do put a pretty high burden on them. Mm-hmm. If this is something that happens once or twice in a career, uh, you imagine the the kind of adrenaline... Rush that would occur and then yeah. you have to make that split decision almost instinctively yeah and i mean it's it's very very difficult yeah uh in that moment and i uh, I would be curious, and like i say I don't have any uh any feeling for this or any knowledge but I would be curious how many high speed chases You're a right, typical yeah. police officer would ever be involved, in. yeah, interesting, yeah, well, I know a couple I'll have to ask them <laughs> uh, so, uh, given the foreseeable risk of harm to the public in the pursuit situation, the officer must consider as one factor whether or not the discontinuance of the pursuit is the reasonable course of action in the circumstances. So they specifically have to turn their mind to: Should I stop? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in a civil case, you know, if I was questioning a police officer, I, I would, I would say, you know, at what point did you consider to stop? When did you consider? Mm-hmm. What were your considerations? Yeah. And what
0: and yeah what what was what was the thought process you went through before you made that call to stop or not stop right
1: Yeah. yeah. And the court specifically says that a failure to discontinue a pursuit may constitute negligence. So wow. uh, they they can be specifically criticized and a finding of negligence if uh, if they don't discontinue a pursuit when the public safety You're right, that's is a lot prepared. of pressure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um and the fact that it's the vehicle of the pursued criminal, not the police vehicle, that collides with the victim, does not absolve the police officer of his or her negligence. Okay. Because it's the, it's the chase that's creating the hazard. But in this particular case, they were absolved of uh, yeah. responsibility. Yeah. In this case, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, many other cases out there, um, I mean, this is actually a common thing they seem to go to trial with a higher frequency than other types of cases which maybe makes sense because the police have uh, a bit of an interest in this case to defend their well oh, yeah actions. if
0: it's if they're uh if it's based on individual circumstance and individual decision you can see why they would be litigated
1: more often yeah and and s- some of the these other cases you, you can see uh uh, there's there's always a finding kind of within a familiar range for the police officers and you 've got really really serious injuries uh, against uh, plaintiffs so uh, for example in in some of the cases that that I was able to find uh, the liability found against the police officer was typically in the neighborhood of about fifteen percent so eighty five percent against the the criminal and about fifteen percent mm-hmm. against the officer okay. personally. We should also discuss why is the police department being added in these cases, because that's an important consideration that you can't read in the cases. Okay. But uh, there's often insurance issues. Okay? So if a vehicle is stolen, um, effectively that vehicle has no insurance on it. Okay. Okay so gotcha. yeah. uh wasn't driven with anyone's consent it uh mm-hmm. uh in the course of a criminal activity effectively there is there's no insurance on that vehicle that vehicle injures somebody uh, there's not going to be likely enough money to go around understood um and uh usually when you see the police added in those cases it is to find Uh, find the money because if you can get one percent liability against the police officer you can get a hundred percent of your damages from the insurers for the police okay so so that's often what's what's going on there is a logistical reason for this yeah there's another reason okay uh we if we're hit by a vehicle that's uninsured or underinsured one of the coverages we carry around is called the family protection endorsement which uh Basically, our own insurance company will top up our coverage up to the maximum amount of our own liability limits. We've talked about that coverage a little bit on on some prior shows. And um, one of the clauses in that insurance is that if you're going to make a claim under that policy, you have to sue anybody who could potentially reasonably be responsible for the accident. So uh, that may include that you have an obligation to name the police in the lawsuit so that you're able to access your own policy. Wow, yeah, you don't the read those that, no, the things you don't know. <laughs> yeah, you don't read those in the cases and and then sometimes you know. Almost from a moral perspective, people are saying, why would somebody try to... Uh, to Involve the police, yeah. Right. But, but that's why. It's about compensation. So it's about either finding another insurance policy for which the completely innocent plaintiffs yeah. can be compensated. Uh, I mean, we have uh, one case where uh, there were five people in a vehicle, all injured, and an 11-year-old girl was killed when, in a high-speed chase, a, uh, the vehicle ran a stop sign and um that there's a lot of compensation required there if sure. you can't get it from the vehicle that was the primary at fault the important thing is compensation the important thing is making sure that these completely innocent people who were doing nothing except driving along on a on a nice sunny day uh receive compensation so if if that has to be from the police then we have to examine whether the police acted properly mm-hmm. and uh, we have to do what's necessary to access the policy from the uh, uh, from their own insurer, the, the family right. protection endorsement. So um, that's what's sometimes going on behind the scenes. Yeah, interesting. Uh, uh, and, and we would never know. That, but,
0: as you said, you read these stories, and you wonder why why, why are we pointing at the cops here yeah, yeah.
1: but but yeah. that makes a lot of sense yeah it 's almost always a case of <laughs> hate, to, hate to say because it, it sounds almost cliche, but it 's follow the money follow the money right? absolutely yeah and, uh, and, and and truthfully when you, when you read especially these types of cases, uh, you really do feel for the plaintiffs because uh, they just got caught up in the wrong place in the wrong time. Literally, they, they, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, yeah, They were in no way involved in this crime other than that there was a, a pedestrian crossing the street or a, uh, or a car that was traveling along in the, mm-hmm. the right-of-way. There's another type of case that I think is a little bit different. Okay, we got and, about a minute. Yeah, And that involves the actual negligence of the police. And I've been involved in some of these cases myself where they... Um, maybe aren't in a pursuit but are going to a scene mm-hmm. uh, or there's a case uh, that they actually were in a pursuit but they don't put their sirens on don't put their lights on okay and uh, and are traveling at high rates of speed with really no warning that that anything is going on, and I think those are slightly different cases, and liability is fairly easily established in those cases because that's—it's uh, not actually in those cases the activity of the criminal <laughs> that is is necessarily yeah. causing uh, the damage, but it's it's the police officer themselves, and specifically with a lack of lights or warning or uh, sirens, Siren. a lack of giving any warning to yeah. uh, to anybody in the in the area that something is going on that they need to pay attention to.
0: So uh, there would obviously be a higher negligence a high liability on on the the insurer for the police department in that case.
1: That's right. And, yeah. and that's, you know, specifically uh, criticizing how the police attributed to the yeah. accident as opposed to how they caused the criminal yeah. to cause the accident.
0: Inter- interesting show. Thanks Chris. Um see Richard at com. the way to get a hold of him. VIP late lunch continues.